Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the Scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. The prophets of the Old Testament all spoke of the same basic things. First, that Israel had departed from Jehovah, which resulted in Jehovah's use of the Gentile nations around Israel to chastise her with the hope that she would return to him. But the nations were excessive in their treatment of Israel, which offended the Lord, causing him to punish the nations. Both of these things work to bring about the manifestation of Christ, which will eventually result in the restoration of all things, including the full promise of Israel with the ushering in of the kingdom, consummating ultimately in the new heaven and new earth. Though their expressions and the angle from which they speak of these different things vary, the basic thought is the same with all of the Old Testament prophets. And with this as a key, all of these books, the prophets, both major and minor, open up to us. Today, we come to the minor prophet of Micah. Matt Miller is here. Matt, another of these uh, minor prophets. I think we have three programs touching four uh, life study messages, but uh, same thought, a little different expression today in Micah, isn't there? Yeah, it is, Chris. Especially, we're going to see a connection to Amos in today's program, but Micah is special, and, and uh, Micah 5.2 is probably one of the most famous verses in almost the whole Old Testament because it refers to the divinity of Christ, how his goings forth are from ancient times, the days of eternity. And, and there's a concerted attack today by the enemy of God, Satan, through books, through movies, through the media, secular media, to attack the person of Christ, right. that he's really not God, but he is God. Christ really was God. And, and this verse is a, is a clear testimony to that, that his goings forth are from ancient times. I mean, he's not just a normal man. This Christ who was born in Bethlehem is God who came from ancient days, from the days of eternity. So we really have to hear what the Lord's speaking and, and have an ear to hear and not be affected by the lies that Satan would have in the media that we're confronted with in today's society. Matt, that verse that you referred to, Micah 5, 2, is, um, it becomes a touchstone for this whole life study. We'll come back to it uh, several times. We will get to it in our second segment today. As Witness Lee was giving this life study, this comprehensive life study, touching most of the minor prophets, he was covering a lot of ground, and he was seeing more and more. And as he came to this minor prophet, Micah, he actually had further burden concerning a very key point in the book of Amos. We talked about it a little bit in our last program on Amos, though we didn't have the benefit of Witness Lee's sharing, so we want to start with that today because it was really given during this Micah Life Study. And it has to do with the passage in Amos chapter 9, a couple of verses that are quoted, as we'll hear, in the New Testament, in the book of Acts. So let's read it from Amos chapter 9. 
and then we'll hear it and maybe talk about how it comes back in Acts after uh, we hear Witness Lee's portion. Amos 9, verses 11 and 12. In that day I will raise up the fallen tabernacle of David, and I will wall up its breaches and raise up its ruins and build it up as it was in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations which are called by my name, declares Jehovah who does this. And that last little passage, all the nations who are called by my name, as we'll hear, is a very important prophetic utterance in the Old Testament, picked up in the New. And here's Witness Lee. Uh, This morning, I'd like to remind you that uh, the main points and the central thought of the minor prophets is that God chastises his elect, waits the Gentiles as an instrument, but the Gentiles did something in excess, too much, so that offended God, and God had to come in to punish the Gentiles. And these two things uh, issue in the manifestation of Christ. And Christ's manifestation brings in the restoration of whole universe. This is the line of the central sound of the prophets. Then Amos came in, and uh, Micah came in, they just repeat the same thing, but with different expression. Michael's expression is like a learned man writing a poetry. But Amos was not a learned man. He was a herdsman handling the kettles, a man on the countryside. In this sense, I like Amos. In uh, Amos, there was one great thing. In chapter 9, Amos prophesied that the uh, fallen tabernacle of David will be restored. What is the tabernacle of David? That is David's kingdom, David's royal family. At the time when Nebuchadnezzar came to capture the entire Israel, devastated the uh, land and burned the city and turned down uh, the temple and captured all the kings. And that was the fall of the kingdom of David. But in the Old Testament, God promised that someday God will come back to restore the fallen kingdom of David. By that time, all the nations will be called by the name of God. In Acts chapter 15, James quoted this word from Amos chapter 9. We have to realize that word indicates one day Christ will come back to be the real David, to restore his kingdom. Right? Then, by that time, in the millennium, all the nations will be called by the name of God. That means all the nations will belong to God. So James, in Acts 15, took this as a base to tell Jewish believers 
don't bother Peter, don't bother Paul, because both Peter and Paul went to the Gentiles. Uh, that bothered Jewish believers. Then James told them, don't be bothered because, look, there is a prophecy. When the restoration time comes, all the nations will become God's people. Very good. Uh, Matt, the, uh, the context, the story behind Acts 15, as he just alluded to here, Peter and Paul had both been speaking to Gentiles. Of course, Peter, a very well-known event, and Paul's most of his ministry was focused on these Gentile cities uh, away from Jerusalem. And this uh, began to create a problem, a situation in the churches, because you had some now Gentile believers coming into the churches, and initially all the believers were, were Jewish hanging on to a lot of the Jewish things. So Paul comes to Jerusalem, gives this remarkable report, and then they have this conference. Now, what does all this have to do with Amos chapter 9? Well, that's a good question, Chris. I was uh, just thinking the same thing as you asked that. But in, in uh, Amos, you have, the, along with Micah, this whole situation with the minor prophets describing the relationship of God's people with the nations, and the nations are used as an instrument by God to chastise God's people in the Old Testament, and yet they go too far. And so God is going to punish the nations. And so that's the relationship in Amos and the minor prophets between God's people and the nations. God's using the nations to chastise his people, and the nations are going too far. Eventually, there's a prophecy in Amos chapter 9, which was quoted by James in Acts 15, that God will raise up from the nations a people called by his name. I'm so happy for that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I mean, to me, that's the diamond in the rough here. You have a rough situation in the Old Testament, and a diamond comes out. That's the church. In Matthew 13, it's called the pearl. It's the treasure that's hidden in the field. It's what the Lord sold everything for to go buy, you know, to buy that field. And so now that you have the church in Acts, and you have, like you said, Peter and Paul bringing in the nations who are called by the Lord's name, and yet the Judaizers, the Christians who were Jews who couldn't let go of the Jewish traditions. They were still hanging on too much to the Old Testament things. They were bothered that the Gentile believers would not be circumcised. They were bothered that they didn't keep the law. And so they have this council in Acts 15. Uh, you have the word from James. And, and just to put it all together, I'm going to read starting in verse 13. It says, and when they finished speaking, this is the entire council talking about this problem. James answered and saying, men, brothers, listen to me. Simeon, which is Peter, has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take out from them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, even as it is written, after these things, I will return and I will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen, and I will rebuild its ruins and erect it again, so that the remainder of men may seek out the Lord even all the Gentiles upon whom my name has been called, says the Lord, who is making these things known from old. And I like James' conclusions in verse 19. Therefore I judge that we do not harass those from the Gentiles who are turning to God. Wow. Amen. I love that, Chris. <laughs> yes. Don't harass those Gentiles who are turning to God. That's us, by the way. That's us. <laughs> That's why I like it so much. Uh, so this is a, a marvelous fulfillment, and uh, we appreciate James. You know, when we had recently the life study of James, in many ways, Witness Lee was pretty hard on James. But here's an, here's an area where James really did get uh, 
some genuine light concerning the New Covenant, God's economy operating in the New Testament, and it speaks a very clear word that brought some measure of peace to this uh, troubled situation. Not 100% clear. Not 100% I, I didn't, I didn't clear. read the rest of the verses in Acts 15. There's still a little tale there. It's not 100% clear, but we at least are happy for what was said and, and the revelation that was there. Yeah, he, they did uh, continue and lay a few of the Old Testament things on these Gentile believers that eventually were thrown off when the Lord really cleared up the situation. But for the time, it brought in some measure of peace. And at least, Matt, he spoke a clear word that you and I shouldn't be harassed. That's what I like. <laughs> okay, let's come to Micah 5.2, this verse that we've been talking about. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, so little to be among the thousands of Judah, from you there will come forth to me he who is to be ruler in Israel, and his goings forth are from ancient times, from the days of eternity. This little one from Bethlehem has a much greater source than was apparent at that time. All right, here's Witness Lee. Now, we come to Mecca. It seems that the entire book of Mecca is a poetry. The subject is Jehovah's reproof on Israel, and his restoration of Israel. Then the revelation concerning Christ. This is very, very important because the revelation concerning Christ, Mecca, is the strongest one. The revelation in his eternal origin, this is in 5.2, in his human birth in Bethlehem, in his being the looter, the shepherd, and the peace of Israel in the millennium, in his becoming great in the millennium, great to what extent he was originally a piece of stone. Daniel 2 tells us, when he got the kingdom, he becomes a big mountain. That is great. That is to be great. Today, Jesus is very small, but the coming day, in his kingdom, he will become great. Matt, as he uh, indicates, there's a lot in this verse, perhaps the, the, the greatest revelation of Christ in all of the minor prophets. And as you said earlier, this verse is uh, very well known, isn't it? But there's probably more here than even the, we typically uh, realize as we're reading it. Chris, there's so much here, I don't know how to to touch it all, but uh, one small thing I enjoy is that probably this is the verse that the Pharisees quoted when the wise men were lost. They were following the star to Jesus' birth. They lost the star, so they wanted to find out where the king of the Jews was going to be born. So they go to Jerusalem, the capital of the Jewish nation, and, and the scholars there that know the Bible, they quote them this verse. Bethlehem. He's going to be born in Bethlehem. So the biblical scholars knew this verse. They knew that Christ was going to be born in Bethlehem. And the year he's going to be born, they tell these wise men who were following a star he's going to be born there. Yet they didn't have a heart to seek the Lord enough to even go and check for themselves. This is an indictment to people who know the Bible so much, yet they don't have a heart to seek. May we not be those kind of people. If we know the Christ is going to be in Bethlehem, Let's go there. Let's wow. go there like the wise men did. Another thing is, Chris, here that Witness Lee pointed out is he will start out as a small one, a little infant, but he will become great. That's the, the little stone 
in Daniel's vision that strikes the image and crushes this great image, which represents all human government, and eventually this little stone, which is the little Christ, becomes great, becomes a great mountain in Daniel's revelation. Yeah, that's in verse 4, the point where he becomes great, the one that starts out so small becomes great. Yet he has this uh, divine, eternal origin from ancient times, the one from the days of eternity. This was the mighty God coming into humanity to be the ruler over Israel. All of those uh, prophecies packed into these two, three little verses in Micah chapter 5. Really something. Chris, no believer should have any doubt about the divinity of Christ. They shouldn't accept any lie that he was just a man. He was God. Yeah, and as you said earlier, that truth that we hold uh, so dear, such an essential part of our Christian faith, is under grave attack in these days, isn't it, externally? The divinity of Christ, his status, his position in the Godhead, all of that being uh, openly attacked in the age in which we live, as you said, in books and in, in movies and causing such a stir. But for those of us who are in the faith, this is something we would never let go of, nor should we, as you said, even for a moment question. Amen. Matt, in our third section today, we're going to get a picture of the other sort of emphasis in the Minor Prophets, that is this coming time of restoration, and we'll see a number of references that are going to paint quite a delightful picture. Let's take a look. All the Minor Prophets, they touch the same thing. Like I said, the same thing. This confirms that in the early days, some of the things were in the demonstration of the godly people, mostly the prophets. What are these things? Well, Messiah will come. And Messiah's coming is just the restoration of Christ. Then Messiah will come to restore not only the uh, kingdom of Israel, but also the entire universe for the growing of the living things on this earth, so the earth will be very rich in produce. You have to know, Isaiah says during the restoration time that sun, as you would, will be seven times brighter, not for scorching, but for shining, for enlightening, for giving the sunshine to the living vegetables, cattle, and man. The sun will be seven times brighter, and this indicates that the produce of this earth will be seven times richer. There will be no scarcity, but rather plentitude. <laughs> In the restoration time, there will be no poverty, no scarcity. You know, in Zechariah chapter 14, there is a sentence that says, by that time there will be no merchants. And these were merchants in Hebrew is the same as Canaanites. The word Canaanites means merchants. Then you have to realize, since there will be no merchants, there will be no currency, no need of selling, no need of purchasing. And money has a particular name, you know that, mammon. And mammon is something invented by Satan, something used through all the centuries by Satan to control, to usurp, to uh, damage, corrupt the whole world. But in the 
restoration age, that is the Southern Kingdom, there will be no scarcity. There will be no merchants sailing in the bay. There will be no money. The Lord in Matthew 6 says, the believers should live a life like the birds. Look at the birds. The birds in the sky. The whole sky is their common territory. Which part of the sky belongs to the pigeons? And which part of the sky belongs to the sparrows? No. They all live in the same kind of common territory in heaven. Well, wait. You will see what will be there. No scarcity, just critique. Everything is rich. Man, no merchants. No mammon, no currency even to exchange. No scarcity, there's plentitude, and everything like the birds in the sky, available to all. Quite a picture that we get here in the, in the time of restoration in the kingdom age. Oh, I love this, Chris. And, you know, the uh, I love the picture. The whole monetary system will cease to exist. It will be gone in the millennium. Christ will be there. There will be a surplus. Everything will be in plenty. Uh, I'd like to read this one verse in Luke. Chapter 16, it, cause it speaks clearly of this. Luke 16, 9, it says, And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by means of the mammon of unrighteousness, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal tabernacles. So the nature of mammon is unrighteous. The nature of money is unrighteous. Number one. And number two, it will fail. According to Luke 16, 9. So number three, we should use it today to buy friends. That's to use your money today for God's purpose, that people could be saved and brought to the full knowledge of the truth, and those people then would receive you into eternal tabernacles. What a joy to go into an, your eternal tabernacle and someone would receive you and say, Oh, I'm so glad that you gave that money to buy me that Bible that led me to the Lord and caused me to change my whole life to seek the Lord. Wouldn't that be a great way to be received? Boy, I remember when Witness Lee gave a message along this line. It may have been in the Luke Life Study talking about how these ones will be our welcomers in the kingdom. They'll be there waiting, as you said, uh, thanking, welcoming us uh, into the kingdom because we were able to use this unrighteous thing, mammon, that has corrupted any and everything. And Matt, I, I was getting a, a sense as you were talking, when this little stone comes to smash the great image, among the things that are destroyed there is this system of commerce that has just completely overtaken the earth. Of course, we live in this country that we're grateful for, and it's capitalist, but still, you don't have to look very far to see the corruption. As you said, all mammon really is unrighteous. Boy, it's really true, Chris. I feel like we're just touching the tip of the iceberg here, and it, it's, we're begging the listeners to go beyond what they're hearing today because this is really touching, I believe, the Lord's heart. Yeah, I agree with you very, very much. Matt, let's uh, let's mention the printed life studies and some of the other resources available. Of course, uh, if the uh, listeners would like to call us, they can reach us at our toll-free number, which is one eight 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 Life Study. That's eight 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 five four three three seven eight eight. They can also get to us on the internet, can't they? They can. LSM.org. There's links to the printed materials online. 
There's links to all these radio programs online. Yeah, and when uh, you do call us or, or go to our Internet site, as long as we're talking about <laughs> mammon, we're not there in a, in a commercial way trying to entice you to buy various things. Of course, there are things for sale, but uh, so much of it is available now, as you said, online without charge. We're hoping to buy friends. <laughs> yeah, let's, uh, hopefully, Matt, will have some welcomers when we uh, enter in. Uh, we uh, invite you to come back, and uh, we welcome you back to our next program. That's all the time we have today. For Matt Miller, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee. For 21 years, Witness Lee conducted a comprehensive life study, unveiling how the Bible presents Christ coming to be life to man. These audio programs are based on those messages. But to get the full riches of the life study, we hope you'll visit our website, lifestudy.com. From there, you can read over 1,800 life study messages in their entirety or download more audio programs like this one all free of charge. Again, the website is lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening today.